just roll with it is what you do. Um, so, uh, good morning. Uh, can you hear me all right? Okay. Awesome. I don't need you anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, welcome to Emmanuel. For many of you, welcome back uh, to Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, I know that uh, we have been, uh, many of us have been scattered to and fro throughout the United States. We've had adventures uh, with travel, with Christmas, with the cold, uh, with family, and um, uh, there we go. And with microphones. Yes. All right. There we go. Um, so, welcome back. Um, uh, we are starting a new series this week uh, about the generosity of God, and. Um, so this is going to take us for four weeks uh, uh, in Epiphany, and we're going to explore together what it means uh, that God has been generous to us and the calling that he has on our church uh, to be generous with others. Uh, before uh, we broke for Christmas, we had a Lessons in Carol service, and at this Lessons in Carol service, we took up an offering for, uh, for Uplift Community High School, and we just thought, you know what? This high school uh, is, is a blessing to us and has genuine need as they care for students, uh, many of whom are homeless, many of whom do not have the resources that we grew up with, um, and we have the resources to, to bless them, and so let's just take up an offering. And it was so much fun to do that together. We, we raised $700 together. We gave it to the principal. She wasn't expecting it, and she was blown away. She was like... You know, just this very morning, Aaron, when you, when you told me this, I was already going to have to cut money uh, or take money from our, like, faculty development funds and so that I could give our students, like, a real Christmas party because a lot of our students just don't have a Christmas party at all. So I was actually going to have to, like, decide between am I going to be generous with my, my teachers or am I going to be generous with my students? And because of this gift from Emmanuel, like, I don't have to choose between those two. And so we opened up even an opportunity for her to, uh, to give uh, generosity both to teachers and to students, many of whom, many of the students uh, whom never have a Christmas celebration at all except for the one they get in this building. Uh, it was so much fun to do that as a church. And um, she also mentioned in passing, like, uh, oh, yeah, and some of our students don't have winter gear. And so I asked her what that meant, and she said, well, a lot of our students, they come to school, and um, uh, Miss Walton, who you see when you, when you come in uh, to church, Miss Walton notices, like, they don't have coats. They don't have gloves. They don't have, um, they don't have hats. And, you know, the teachers will ask them, where's your hats? Where's your gloves? Where's your coat? And they'll just be like, I don't have one. Um, I don't have the money to get one. And so, uh, some of our leaders, uh, they saw this uh, email exchange and they just said, is there anything we can do about, about the, the, the coat and the hat and the gloves, the winter gear? Can we do something about that? And so there was kind of a, a, an uprising, kind of a, a, the tide of generosity started to get a little bit bigger. And um, now we have a whole team of people um, leading a winter coat drive. And you can actually see in your bulletin, there's, a, there's this really uh, awesome card that Rin designed for, uh, for a, a winter gear drive that, that Emmanuel is organizing. and We don't expect that we'll be the only ones collecting winter gear and dropping it off for, for Uplift students. We actually have gotten word that other churches are interested in joining us, that 
Um, potentially uptown businesses might be interested in joining us as well. Um, and um, it's fun. It really is fun to be generous. Um, and, uh, and I realized as I prayed for Emmanuel in the last couple of weeks, and as I prayed about where the Lord is leading us as a church, I really do believe that God wants to involve us more deeply into his story of generosity so that he can make us a people of generosity. He wants to involve us in the story that he's writing, that he started, that he's ending in generosity so that he can make us a people of generosity. And I believe that that is our birthright as a church, that, that actually what we experienced in the Lessons and Carol service and what we're participating now in the, in the Winter Coat Drive is, is a birthright. It is a quality that God has put into our church from the very beginning that he's calling us to exercise. Um, and it's, it's more than just a calling, it's an adventure. It is a story that is unfolding. Um, and um, that story is, is both large, it's church-wide, it's also kingdom-wide, it's, it's sweeping, it's epic, but it's also personal. It is, uh, and this is hard to say, but it's important to say it, it is a more than our finances, but it is not less than our finances. It's more than just us individually, but it is not less than us individually. It involves our whole person. Uh, what's interesting is that um, it's never comfortable to talk about money. It's easier to talk about other things. Um, and yet money affects everything in our life. And so this is not necessarily going to be the easiest series to, to dive into. Nevertheless, um, it will directly impact the health of our church the life of our church, the mission of our church. And so I want to call all of us to look deeply into God and his generosity and what he has done for us and then to accept his calling into that story. It's not unlike if you were to be reading um, the, the Hobbit and, uh, and it, wow, this is really an interesting story. And, you know, at one point in The Hobbit, Gandalf, uh, the wizard, goes to the house of Bilbo and says, like, hey, I want you to go on an adventure with me. Uh, we're going to go into the mountains. We're going to slay a dragon. And Bilbo's really hesitant. But then eventually Bilbo goes. Um, it would be as if we're reading that story, and it's interesting, and then Bilbo kind of pops out of the page and says, hey, I want you not to just read this story. I want you to actually come with me to the mountains. I want you to take the risk of slaying the dragon with me. I want you to adventure with me. Um, it's real. It's personal. Yes, it's epic. Yes, it's large. But it is also involving us personally. Um, so here's what I want to do. First of all, I want to talk about God's generosity. Where is God at with generosity? Then I want to talk about where we're at with generosity, which is a different place. We're at a different place than where the Lord is at. Um, and then what the Lord is inviting us to. So first of all, let's look, actually turn in your, uh, your Bibles or your bulletins to Ephesians 1. And what I want to say about God's story of generosity is that, is that it, is both, it is both epic and it's personal. It's sweeping and grand and exciting, and it is also personal. Um, look with me at verse 3. 
Paul is talking to a church, and he wants them, he wants the eyes of their heart, as he says, to be open to see how generous God is. And here's what he says. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he says in verse 4, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Um, So what Paul is saying is that God has held nothing back to bless you with everything that's in his storehouse. God has a storehouse of riches. And he, in generosity, opened up the storehouse of riches to all of his sons and daughters. And many of us here are his sons and daughters. And if you're not a believer in Jesus, you should consider being one because it involves God being incredibly generous to you. Um, so it's, and it's also very personal. So uh, verse 3 says that he has, um, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So consider that in the realm where God exists, um, where he is perfectly seen, where, he is, where his power is manifest in ways that we can't quite see yet, you have been given blessings that exist in that realm that has implications for your life here on earth. And those blessings, verse 4 tells us that those blessings are intended to take you from where you're at right now to take me where I'm at right now, which is incomplete, imperfect, not able to stand before God but for the grace of Christ and makes us perfect, makes us holy, makes us complete. That's the intended effect of the blessings. It has personal implications for us, but it also has personal implications for God. Um, Look with me in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have redemption through his blood. Now let me ask you, is blood a metaphorical word here? Is it God's spiritual blood? (laughs) Is it an ethereal idea that God is just kind of a sacrificial person? This not only involves us personally, this involves, this involved and involves God personally. God's blood was given. Imagine how precious your blood is. Not just giving it for, you know, to the hospital for people who, who need a blood transfusion, but we give our blood, meaning we give our life to what we care about, what we're invested in. If my children were in danger, I would give all of my money and energy to protect them and to help them and to restore them. But if I ran out of of energy, if I ran out of time, if I ran out of money, if I ran out of all of my resources and my children were still in danger, I would give my blood to them because I care about them. I would risk my life and I would give my life if that meant saving my children. I would personally involve myself in protecting them and loving them. And that is exactly what God has done for us in Christ. He has personally involved himself uh, in, in our completion. He has personally involved himself to bless us and to complete us. And when we were in a state of complete, well, actually, before we even existed, God said, let there be. Let there be men. Let there be women. In my world, let, them, let there be a world where they can live and where they can thrive. Our very lives come from God's personal investment. And when we had fallen away from him, when we had rejected him, he gave his blood, he gave his 
blood and complete generosity. He went all the way down to the bottom of the barrel of what he could give and gave everything so that we could be wealthy in him, so that we could be completed in him. It's personal for him, and it really is personal for us. But it's also epic. It's also epic. Look with me in verse 10. This is a part of a plan. God's plan of generosity, God's story of generosity is personal for us, personal for him, and it has an ending. It is to unite all things in heaven and on earth. Heaven and earth will be healed when God's generous story, when his plan of generosity is complete, heaven and earth will be healed. And that reality uh, is so deep and so compelling, so beyond us, that it's actually hard to imagine. Um, But think about, um, uh, consider that your life, uh, if you are in Christ, will be so full of glory, you can't even, you can't even imagine how, uh, how full you will be how full of God you will be. Imagine being completely united to God so that there is nothing in between you and God. You still have your personhood, but you are fully mature, fully holy, full of God's presence, full of God's life. Imagine that spreading out to the entire world, the entire world full of God's blessing, full of God's life, full of God's renewal. It's personal and it's epic. Um, It's not unlike a wave uh, imagine a large tsunami or a, lar- a large wave that comes in uh, uh, upon the beach and even extends beyond the beach. A wave is both, uh, uh, it, it, it sweeps up everything in it and it covers everything. And so we usually think of uh, uh, like a tsunami as destructive, but imagine <clears throat> God's generosity, God's generous story coming like a tsunami on all of the earth, sweeping up both people and families and cities and institutions and bringing life, and bringing renewal, and taking us from a place of stinginess, and, and miserliness, um, and self, uh, self-reference, and, uh, and sweeping us into the story of renewal. This lessons in Carol's offering that we took up, only a part of that. This coat drive that we're, that we're participating, only a part of that. Uh, yes, indeed, um, something that is an expression of God's generosity, but it has an ending that's beyond us beyond us personally and beyond us as a church. So the story is both epic and it is also personal. It is personal, it is deep, it is also beyond us. It's also epic. It changes everything. Um, now, when, when a tsunami comes, when a wave comes at you, um, there's, there's usually a couple different ways you can respond. Um, you can respond by running from it, by trying to ignore it, by uh, shielding yourselves from it. Um, or you can respond by diving directly into that wave um, and letting it do what it's going to do. And um, um, when we come to the topic of generosity and when God calls Christians to a generous life, it feels a little scary, and it feels uh, like something maybe that we should run from, that we should try to ignore. And um, uh, so I want to just acknowledge that Um, But I also want to point you to something bigger, which is that God is doing something in Chicago. He's doing something in Uptown um, that I don't want to miss. But here's where we're at. That's where God is at with generosity. He's writing a story. He wants to invite us into it. Here's where we're at. Number one, we want to be generous. I know many of you well, um, and... And just speaking personally, I want to be a generous person. When I think about the end of my life, 
And when I think about being on my deathbed and thinking about like, what my life meant, I do want to know that I've been a generous person, that I've given of my time and my money and my resources and my networks to other people and blessed, seen people thrive and seen human flourishing and seen good things happen as I've been free with my, with my resources. And I know many of you do as well. Many of you really want to be generous. Secondly, you don't want to be manipulated in the process of being generous. Um, people ask for your money and your time and your resources all the time, right? Advertisers ask for it. People on the street ask for it. Um, nonprofits ask for it. And there's all kinds of images and stories and uh, hard sells and ham-fisted ways that people uh, try to get us to part with our resources. And so um, I don't want to be manipulated. I have a lack of trust um, automatically when the topic of money is raised, when the topic of resources is raised. And so, um, so we don't want to be manipulated. We want to be able to have our trust and our resources go together. And so uh, we want those things to be kept. So we want to be generous, but we don't want to be manipulated in the process. Um, third, I think many of us feel like, you know what, I'm not quite ready for the adventure of generosity. When we feel like we're being called into uh, to, to generosity, uh, there's, this, there's this little bit of a hesitation, like, you know what, I, I'll be ready to be generous as soon as blank. And the blank is usually a life stage, an income level, a security. Like, once I get to this level, maybe like um, one or two or three stages of savings beyond where I'm at right now or my career where it's at right now or my income where it's at right now. Where I'm at right here, I'm not quite ready to be generous, but once I'm here, I'll be ready. And I feel that too, and I felt that from all the way back to when my mom wanted me to share my toys, okay? I'm not quite ready. Just give me some time. So we want to be generous. We don't feel trusting, usually. We feel a sense of hesitation and, and, not, and genuinely not wanting to be manipulated. And, and we, we, we feel not quite ready. And again, like I said before, it's weird to talk about finances. It's weird to talk about money. It's weird to talk about giving our money. I feel uncomfortable talking about it, and it's okay if you feel uncomfortable hearing about it. So, why, Aaron, would you teach on generosity? Why am I bringing this up? Why am I responding? And, and, and do, why are we doing a four-part series on it? Um, number one, I have uh, no desire to manipulate you. And I, and, I, and I do not wish to do that. Or pressure you. Or hard sell you. Or any way. Um, I do want to be a good pastor to you, though. And so, as a pastor, I will challenge you as I am being challenged by the Lord. And I am being challenged by the Lord right now. I am on my own journey of generosity. And I am seeking to, to respond to the Lord in that way. Um, I don't want to miss uh, the adventure. And I don't want us to miss the adventure either. And so, in as much as I, uh, I don't want to come from a place of um, uh, uh, manipulating, um, I do actually want to challenge all of us to respond to the Lord's invitation. I don't want to miss out on it. Um, I believe that it's our birthright as a congregation. I believe that the Lessons and Carols offering and the coat drive is only a foretaste of all the, amazing thing that, all the amazing things that the Lord wants to do as we give our resources away as a church. 
and as we are generous as people. And um, some of you may know other Christians that have practiced generosity. And uh, if you, many of them don't like to talk about it, but if you get them to talk about it, they have amazing stories to tell. Amazing stories about how God asked them to give more than they were ready for, but then how God provided for them in ways they weren't expecting. They get to tell you stories about the joy that comes with giving um, that uh, they weren't expecting, that, they, that um, in their fear before giving they couldn't see. They could only see on the other side of giving. Um, here's, here's the stakes for whether or not we accept this call. And this is why I'm bringing this up right now, is because if we don't accept, let's just say we don't accept God's calling into this adventure, calling into this story, where he's constantly asking us to give and he's, all, and he's letting us participate in, in the joy of giving, um, number one, we become miserly. As individuals and as a church, we become small and tight and self-referential and fearful with our money and with our resources as people and as a church if we say no to God's call to be generous. Um, the place where I work out, uh, the, uh, there's, a, there's a high uh, emphasis on mobility. So they're not just teaching you to lift weights or to be on the rower, but they're also teaching you to stretch and to foam roll your muscles and to put yourself in uncomfortable positions all the time. And over the last year, I've, I've tried to go um, as faithfully as I could to get workouts in, but I really have ignored the mobility part of the coaching. Because I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on getting this workout in. Mobility's okay, it's kind of optional. One of the things I've realized over the course of time is that like, my body has gotten tighter and tighter over the course of the year. And I actually have been limited in the amount of weight that I can lift, in the amount of height that I can jump, um, even in my endurance, my body can't move like other athletes can move because they've been stretching and I haven't. They've been putting themselves in uncomfortable positions and I haven't and I've gotten smaller and tighter and so my body just can't move like it's meant to move, like God created me to move. When we reject God's call to be generous, we become like that in our souls. Our souls become kind of tight because it's never put in uncomfortable positions um, uh, as, uh, like when God calls us to be generous, we, it is uncomfortable. It is difficult. It's a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, we come into our fullness as people. And, um, so, uh, so we miss out on that and become miserly if we reject the invitation. Secondly, um, we become entitled and, um, entitled is the feeling of, I have about 30% less than I deserve. I have about 10 to 20 to 30% less than I really deserved. If my employer really knew how much I was worth, I'd get, I'd get paid more. I don't know if you've ever felt that way of like, you know what, with all that I'm bringing to the world and all that I'm bringing to the family and all that I'm bringing to, to um, my workplace, I've got, um, I, I deserve like everything I have plus, you know, plus about 10 to 20% more. Um, and, uh, and this is living according to really, it's the gospel of karma rather than the gospel of Jesus. I, um, I have fought for everything that I have and life has, has given me a reward as a result. Maybe not quite enough. Um, I have everything that I deserve, 
Whereas the gospel of Jesus is, the Lord poured out everything for me. My life itself is a gift. My salvation is a gift. My resources are a gift. My family is a gift. Everything that I benefit from is a gift from God, and I can be free with it, and I can be generous with it. Um, That only comes when we respond to the invitation. If we don't respond to the invitation, if we're not actually generous, we don't actually know experientially what that's like, and so we become entitled over time. So we become miserly, we become entitled, and then we just miss the adventure. We miss out on the adventure, and it is an adventure. It is an adventure. It's an adventure of joy. It's an adventure of union with Christ. It's an adventure, really, where we are saying with our actions what we say with the Nicene Creed, which is, I believe that everything I have is a gift from God, um, especially the blood of Jesus, which has saved me from being miserly and entitled. So when I talk about, uh, when, when we talk about generosity in this series, know this, that my intentions are for me and for you to respond with an open heart to God's invitation one step at a time because it is our birthright as a church. And never in this series do I wish for you to feel, uh, for you to feel pressured or for you to feel manipulated. I want this to be a journey of trust where we come out on the other end of it with more trust, not less. And in the process, I am willing as a pastor to exhort. Um, it involves more than our money. Generosity is so much more than our money. But it is not less than our money. It is not less than our resources. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some baby steps as a congregation to begin. Just like this, this, uh, this code drive, it is a baby step towards living into the story of generosity. Just like the um, Lessons and Carols offering was, was, a, was a baby step into the story of generosity. We're going to take some steps. We're going to talk about, number one, how God's generosity makes us worshipers. That's next week. God's generosity makes us worshipers, frees us up to worship him. Number two, God's generosity makes us stewards. And I'm so excited, Josh Evans is going to be bringing us a word um, from Matthew about how God's generosity puts us in charge of um, whole sums of God's creation that we actually get to uh, creatively participate with him in being generous. Uh, last, uh, the last sermon is, is uh, the fourth sermon, and that is God's generosity makes us free. It makes us free. And friends, we are, uh, we are made to be free. We should be free as a congregation. We should not be constricted. We should be free as individuals to be generous, not constricted. The life of generosity, the walk of generosity, is a path of freedom. And I do not want to miss that path of freedom as a pastor, as a, as a man, um, or as a church. I don't want that for you. I want you at the end of your life to be able to tell stories about what God did through the church that you were a part of, what God did in your own soul, what God did in your own congregation. Can you imagine what would happen if we responded to this call? Can you imagine uh, the churches that we could plant as a congregation uh, throughout Chicago, churches just like Emmanuel in neighborhoods all over the place? Can you imagine uh, the kind of generosity that we could show to Uptown, um, to show to the students of Uplift? Can you imagine um, generosity just kind of being part of our culture, being part of the way we host one another, being part of the way we treat one another, kind of coursing through our veins, kind of like, hey, you know what? I have joined God on the journey of generosity. In the process, he's given us uh, generosity, and now, like, we can't stop ourselves. 
We can't stop ourselves from seeing needs and responding to them. We can't stop ourselves from being a generous church because that is who we are. If it's not a joyful journey, it's not the journey of generosity. If it's not a joyful journey, um, then we've, we've heard the wrong call. If it's, if it's a forced march, it's not the right journey. God's calling us into his story, not our story of generosity. It is first and last the story of God in Christ being generous to us in creation, in redemption, and also in bringing out the glory of the world in its fullness when heaven and earth are united. It is his story. It's a joyful story. It's not a forced march. So I want to invite you to take some steps with me. We're going to get practical. We're going to talk about what this means for personal debt. We're going to talk about what this means for saving. We're going to talk about what this means for giving to the church. We will be, pra- we will be practical. It is the baby steps. It's the beginning. It's not the ending um, of, our, of our call uh, to generosity as a church. I don't want us to miss the adventure. I don't want us to miss our birthright. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.